In today's episode of the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast, we get to hear from Reed Stairs on the many potential pitfalls of ministry and how we can go about avoiding them. He explores one of the main causes behind the crisis pastors often face internally. It has to do with forgetting the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of our world. These two kingdoms function according to different operating principles. But if we can learn to think about our ministry and live out our calling according to the principles of the kingdom of heaven, things will be much different for us and our churches. We pray this talk encourages you and helps you in your current ministry challenges. So let's jump in. Grace and peace to you from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I consider it a great privilege and an honor today to share with you. I want to thank the leadership of The Well for inviting me. And I want to thank you for taking time to share with us today. The topic of my talk is pitfalls of ministry, which when Dwight asked me, I considered a rather dangerous topic. I know from experience there are lots of pitfalls in the ministry because after 37 years of leading in a church, uh, I've stubbed my toes on a good number of them, banged my head on a few others, and fallen flat in my face when I tripped over some of them. So part of what I'm speaking about today comes from experience as well as head knowledge. I, like you, have lain awake in the dark of the night, in those dark hours with anxiety threatening to suffocate you or feeling like you're fighting the monsters of fear and failure uh, that are about to devour the very core of who you are. But I suspect that those kinds of things stem from one sort of fatal flaw or one foundational principle that I want to talk about today. And that's the basic operating system of the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of the world. I don't want to be alarmist or sound like a curmudgeon, although I guess I'm old enough now to be one. But the stress and the burnout, the frustration and the fear the low self-esteem that I hear and see on the shoulders of so many pastors and spiritual leaders seems to be epidemic today. And when you couple that with the increasing numbers of people who are leaving our churches, and I think that we may be at the onset of of a more serious crisis than we are even experiencing now. It's not something that's going to be fixed by doing more of what we've done or by tweaking the system or adding more expectations to the already overloaded spiritual leaders. It seems to me that there is something basically wrong, and unless someone gains the courage, gains the courage to admit it and do something about it, I think the future is going to hold some very difficult days for churches and for those who are attempting to lead them. But the fix is one that calls for courage, courage to make changes that perhaps may jeopardize the numbers of people in our congregations, the finances, our programs, and maybe even our jobs. Again, I don't want to be more dramatic than necessary, but I I do think that when Jesus said to count the cost and deny ourselves, and when he was speaking about those issues, he knew that to choose to operate solely by the kingdom of heaven principles would cost us. I think it has far less to do with us, the glorious future of the church does, than we think. And it has far more to do with what Jesus has done and will do, perhaps, than we trust. I want to say that I do believe in the future of the church. I believe and I'm confident that Jesus will build his church. 
and I'm fully persuaded that the future of the church is glorious, even though at this moment we may find ourselves as leaders discouraged or fearful even for the future. And I believe the road to the future does not have to be strewn with beat-up, burnt-out, discarded ministers uh, along the way and despairing, hopeless, and angry congregations and anemic ones along the road as well. So, let me share this basic thought that I have in my heart today. If you go out and buy a PC computer, Windows-based computer, and you try to run the Mac operating system on it, you are going to be frustrated. And that's to say the least. And then if there are others, if your boss comes along and expects you to make the thing run, and expects it to run well, then you are really going to be stressed out because it's going to be multiplied and life will not be particularly joyful. I say that to tell you that I suspect that that is exactly part of what is happening in the church and among church leadership. It's my humble opinion that the number one pitfall in ministry these days is connected to Romans chapter 12 verse 2. We ought to do some scripture since this is a spiritual gathering. Huh? Romans 12 and 2, we all know it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I think that what the word is saying is, as spiritual leaders, we have to embrace operating by a completely different kingdom operating system than the world does. Jesus invited people to follow him, to join him in living out his operating system, the kingdom of heaven, words and ways and works. And it was in stark contrast to the operating system of the kingdom of this world. To trust that love and forgiveness and acceptance and grace and inclusion and mercy are more powerful than the forces of this world. And I don't just mean the nasty aspects of this world system like dictators and racism and crushing poverty cycles and uh, human trafficking, but thinking that rewarding performance, using force, making people pay, drawing circles of exclusion that keep others out, blacklisting those who don't meet our standards, those are ways of the world as well. And sometimes we're tempted to go down those paths. As spiritual leaders, we are called to proclaim and operate in the kingdom of heaven. But often I think we are expected to establish and advance that kingdom with principles that are based on this world's operating system. I'm going to get to something practical here in a minute. I'm just trying to set a foundation. Or at least we are expected to use the system of this world, but modify it with Jesus' principles, the kingdom of heaven principles. For example, we don't use power to control and intentionally hurt people, but sometimes we do use power for their own good or for the good of the church, or we desire power, political or social power, whatever it might be, because we think that that would advance the kingdom of the church. The world knows full well that the church often uses politics and money and power to protect and advance itself, and it uses pressure to get people to conform to its ways, that it rewards and idolizes successful, quote, leaders in the church, just like the world does with its rock stars and super athletes and billionaires. My point is simply this, as following Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we are called to trust in and rely on his principles, his operating system, kingdom of heaven, ways and words, not mixing them with the kingdom of the world or even using them to modify the kingdom of the world. 
It's a whole other way of living and leading. The main point is that the world operates on a performance-based system, rewarding performance, while the kingdom of heaven is a grace-based system, and Jesus taught they are not compatible. The world's operating system and values and rewards for success and obedience and service, and it punishes and, or ignores or bypasses or devalues failures and failure and lack of producing or conforming, while the kingdom of heaven rewards relationship and presence and trust and heart. So having said that, it's just to set the foundation for some pitfalls that I feel flow out of this issue. One of them being believing that I'm responsible for people changing their behavior, that that is the evidence of success or failure of my ministry or my spiritual leadership. If the people I pastor conform to the behavioral expectations and codes of our churches or denominations and that definition of righteousness, then I'm a success. But if I can't get people to conform and perform or even pretend that they are, then I feel like a failure and I'm often perhaps seen as a failure. I can remember that frustration way back in my ministry of saying to my wife one time, every Sunday I'm preaching about the principles of the kingdom of heaven and, and, and I'm preaching about righteousness and, and why are so few people conforming to that or changing to be like that? If I'm believing that that's the goal of my ministry, then I think I am operating in the principles of the kingdom of this world. Second one, using the world's kingdom system to reward good behavior and punish bad behavior in order to maintain our church structure. That those who serve and obey often get the best positions and are held up as examples to others, while those who fail are sometimes held at arm's length and know they're not really valued like the good boys and girls. I believe that's a kingdom of this world's operating system, and I believe in the church it causes pain and stress, and it's one of the pitfalls that we sometimes trip over. A third one would be believing that our fruitfulness comes from skill and hard work rather than from abiding. Jesus said a shocking thing in John chapter 15. He said, if you abide in me, remain in me, live in me, dwell in me, connect vitally with me, you will produce much fruit. Now the problem with that, I think, is that the things we have come to value and rely on and reward are the right academic credentials, the latest church fad to get our numbers up, to the personal charisma, charisma of the leader, leadership savvy and skills, and those things that are more closely related to being a CEO than a shepherd. Jesus' fruit that he was talking about, the fruit that comes from abiding in him, often isn't the kind, I think, that makes our reports look good or makes our church boards and councils particularly happy because it isn't necessarily numbers and money and buildings and programs, but rather people becoming more alive to Jesus, people maturing to be more humble in the way they live, more gracious and compassionate and kind, people who add value to their daily connections and situations and bring dignity and wholeness and joy to the people they rub shoulders with each day of their lives as they're going about life. But how do you measure that? How does that go into a report? 
You see what I'm saying? I think the fruit Jesus is looking for is not so much statistical evidence as it is transformed hearts and lives. Fourth one that I just throw out to you today is believing that fruitfulness is measured in numbers and money and programs. The vast majority of our church systems believe that bums in seats and money in the plates and how many show up for our programs and impressive tech-filled buildings are the real sign of kingdom success. And I sense that it's killing pastors and leaders. It's, it's bringing a weariness of running the machinery that somehow deep in our hearts, deep in our souls, we, we think there's something not in line here with the joy of abundant life in Christ. But yet it's just the way it is. And it seems sometimes that nobody has the courage or fortitude to just say, stop it. I remember on the Cosby show years and years ago, little Rudy was watching a, a show on, or a documentary on war. And at some point she said, or on racism and war, and she said, I have a solution. And they said, what was it? And she said, why doesn't someone just stand up and say, stop it? <laughs> Simple answer, but it is the answer. A fifth pitfall I'd look at is focusing on growth instead of working for a nurturing environment. We think we know what people should look like when they are mature and fruitful. We have our somewhat preconceived ideas of that often. And we often depend on manuals and church documents that define spirituality in terms of what people do and don't do, which varies widely from church to church. And so we work to shape them like that. We stake up the plant and prune it and spray paint it healthy green and we glue artificial flowers on it and hang plastic fruit on the branches and go, there, we have a disciple, and then wonder why it seems to wither and die. I believe our calling as overseers of Jesus' church is primarily to work to keep the atmosphere healthy and nourishing. That way the Holy Spirit can do whatever work He needs to do. And, and to trust that, to trust that that's true, that if our environment in our fellowship is healthy and nurturing and, and, and the environment is good, that the Holy Spirit will do His work in bringing about the transformation that He desires in people's lives, which may be somewhat different from what I'd like to see Him do in people's lives. I can easily give Him a whole list of what I would like people to be like and what I would like changed in their lives. But as, as a spiritual leader, I heard uh, Jerry Cook say this one time, and he said, our job as spiritual leaders is to to discover what God's doing in people's lives and partner with that. That's perhaps quite a different perspective than trying to push people into a mold. And lastly, trying to characterize, or, or sorry, trying to Christianize the world's operating system instead of establishing communities that operate a whole different way. The Kingdom of Heaven principles. I really think that trying to Christianize trying to overlay Jesus' values and ways of doing and being on top of the world's system of doing and being is futile and frustrating and leads to burnout and, and anger or just low self-esteem and sometimes a desire to just quit or, or fear and anxiety and failure of why am I so ineffective at this. I think we're ineffective of it because it's impossible. I think Jesus was clearly saying there's the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of the world and you can't mix the two. You have to choose to live in one or the other of these operating systems. And as spiritual leaders, I believe that that's a choice we have to make. If we're to avoid these pitfalls, I suggest we need to be willing to pay a price of turning or returning 
to leadership based on the operating systems of the kingdom of heaven, to be willing to pay the price of not being rewarded by the world or even by our congregations, and to rest in a confidence that Jesus will build his church, and he can do it through his kingdom ways and works and principles, through his operating system. I think it will take courage, because I think there is a price to pay for that. But I believe the payoff is experiencing the abundant life of Christ and experiencing real spirit-inspired transformation in people's lives. There's a joy in that that goes far beyond the success of, of statistical success, of numbers and programs and money and buildings and all of those kinds of things that the world also values. I'll just close with this personal note. In the last number of years, I have had the wonderful privilege of experiencing so much more of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. The message just says it's so awesome. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That verse captures my heart because I really believe so many of us in Christian leadership are not experiencing the unforced rhythms of grace. We're, we have things on our shoulders that feel heavy and burdensome. And Jesus said he wouldn't put them there. So I have had to ask myself, then why am I carrying these kinds of stresses and burdens? So I've chosen, to my best of my ability, to lay aside the kingdom of this world's operating system in our church and embrace Jesus' kingdom of grace and his ways of doing things. Have I done it perfectly? No. Have I done it even consistently? No. But to the extent that I have done it, I have experienced greater freedom and peace and joy and the enjoyment of Jesus like never before. This is somewhat radically different than what I've experienced in a lot of my church life. I grew up in a pastor's home, so for 66 years now I've been immersed in church life. But this is so different to, to attempt to embrace and live by and lead by the principles of the kingdom of heaven only that and it's made such a difference in me that I can't go back. Jesus sets us free to enjoy him, to trust he will fulfill his purpose for our life and for our church, not so much because of me, but in spite of me. It's my prayer today that we all find the courage to enter this narrow gate of not dragging the world's operating system through the door with us and experience the absolutely hilarious joy and life of his kingdom in greater measure than ever before. And in doing so, to avoid the most egregious pitfalls that kill our joy, steal our life, and destroy the beauty of our relationship with Jesus. We're going to share some questions together. And I pray that as we do, that God will give us wisdom and revelation of how to avoid these pitfalls by looking at some foundational principles of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world. Thank you. God bless.
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast. If you enjoyed it, consider leaving us a review. And if you're looking to grow with like-minded Christian leaders, consider engaging with our online community. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can visit us at our website at aaronministries.com.